The following program has been pre-recorded. This week on Belonging, we're back with Sister Mara Grace, the vocation director at St. Cecilia Motherhouse here in Nashville, Tennessee, to hear the story of her vocation. When I received that call from the Lord, I set my will on it. I said, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, and looking back, I wouldn't have my life any other way, you know, and I think sometimes we don't even, we can't know the Lord's full will until we move towards it, you know, and, and look back and see, oh yeah, this was your will. So I think for me, there, there were glimmers, but, and, and doubts came in, but certainly under it all was, was a great peace. Next. This program is made possible by the generous donations of Jeannie and Bill Stayskull, members of Christ the King Parish in Nashville, and by a grant from the Cook Foundation. Take advantage of the many opportunities for young people in the Nashville Diocese to connect and find belonging. Like University Catholic, a community of college-age students who are serious about their faith and unite in fellowship and friendship to deepen their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Go to universitycatholic.org to find out more. You can also connect with young Catholics like you by attending events like Summit Music City. It's a night of music followed by adoration and reconciliation. It's free and open to young people of all faiths. Go to soundscatholic.com or try Theology on Tap, where you can gather with other people in their 20s and 30s like you who want to learn more about their faith while enjoying a beverage together. Join Theology on Tap Nashville on Facebook for events and times. Welcome to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio. My name is Zach Jansen. We're joined by Father Gervon, the chaplain of University Catholic. And we're back once again this week with Sister Mara Grace, the vocations director at the St. Cecilia Motherhouse here in Nashville, Tennessee. Previously on our show, we discussed this, the topic of vocation uh, for young men, young women, maybe discerning on their own or taking that next step of reaching out to their vocations director and uh, that, that process of vocation. But this week, we'd like to share her topic, her, her own personal testimony uh, of her vocation as a Dominican here in Nashville, Tennessee. So sister, thank you for being here once again for your time. It's a great delight pleasure here and just what, what it's like for, for young men and young women taking that next step, uh, the process of it, how it's, it takes many years and lo- lots of discernment, lots of just taking it to prayer. So I'm curious, just you, would you give us a little bit of background on, on your life, just where you're from in general for those who don't know? Yeah, I, I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. It's not too far from here. Grew up in kind of a normal family. I mean, by normal, I mean we were involved with different sports and extracurriculars. And you played volleyball, sister. I, I went to volleyball camp one time. Okay, see, I knew there was something going on there. <laughs> and uh, we were kind of the, unfortunately, normal Catholics as well. Where Mass was just something we did on Sunday, but we didn't really incorporate the faith into our family life as much. So I, I did know Mass was important. That was like a given, but we didn't really pray together or talk about faith or, or even vocation. So really growing up, it was never on my radar that I was going to be a sister one day. Now, were you in a Catholic school at all? Or was it a no, I went to public school yeah. my, my whole K to 12 and was very blessed. I think they were pretty good public schools, but Absolutely. I think my yeah. guardian angels probably really helped me too because <laughs> I spared me from a lot of, a lot of crazy things. And I do see looking back, you know, the influences that had on my life, the pressure to kind of fit in with the crowd and do the normal things. So there are definitely times when I would battle with my parents. They had these wonderful morals set for my family, but I definitely wanted to kind of push back on some of those. But I think because my parents were just so 
so strong and and their love for each other and I knew I was loved by them that eventually I was I was grateful to them for setting up such wonderful boundaries in our family you know and so it was these boundaries helped foster openness to to God so that when he did break through there was there was an openness there so what so, happened to you after after high school then? Did you made the next step of, of college, I'm assuming? Or where, where did yeah, you go from I, there? I did. May, maybe I'll back up a little bit because I think the seeds of my vocation, obviously, are my baptism. But sure, I think yeah. um, I had a huge experience in high school. Um, I had gotten involved with our parish youth group, actually, initially because they did ski trips. And I... In Kentucky, you don't have a lot of snow. Or nothing wrong with so. Betsy, sure. I'm not, I'm not judging you yet. The Lord uses all things. Absolutely. Uh, so um, they they were going on these ski trips, and I remember asking my parents, "Oh, could I go?" You know, and they said, "You can't just go on the trips. You got to go to the youth group." And I was like, "Uh huh." You know, so I I went started going to these youth meetings. And I didn't really want to admit it, but I really enjoyed it. You know, that we it was a lot of fun, just these crazy games where, you know, we'd throw cheese puffs at each other or whatever. And for the first time, I was praying with this group and hearing about what we believed as Catholics. And, and there's something about that my peers, they were going to this group that I felt free to be myself. You know, I didn't feel like I had to put on a mask like I did at school and... So that actually what is what kept drawing me back to this youth group. And when I was a sophomore in high school, the youth group offered a retreat, which the only context I have of a retreat was like war terms, you know, when you're not doing well. <laughs> um, but I knew it was a weekend away from my parents and I thought, sweet, let's go. You know? Sign me up, yeah. mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to this retreat and it, um, it was a Steubenville Youth Conference. And they had, it was the first time I experienced Eucharistic adoration. And when I was there in the Lord's presence, there was this huge grace that he gave me. And I, I remember being nervous looking around and seeing people reacting in different ways to the, to the Eucharist coming around. The priest brought that beautiful gold monstrance with the host in the middle and went in front of each student in the, in the gym. There were like a thousand of us high schoolers and and some were like laughing when they saw when the, Jesus came, you know, out of this great joy. Um, some were crying, you know, some like all different reactions. And I remember having like this nervous butterflies in my stomach. Of, What's going to happen to me? <laughs> What's that going to do to me? And um, when the Lord came and I was face to face with him in the blessed sacrament, it was almost as if there was no one else in the room. And, and I knew that that was truly God. And I, I, I mean, true miracle from the Lord. He gave that certainty. Um, but I also had the sense that he had a plan for my life. And I think that's kind of where my seeking for his plan began in that graced moment, that Eucharistic adoration. And so uh, the rest of high school, I mean, I'd love to say I changed overnight and I became a saint right away, but uh, <laughs> it took a long time. Um, I'm still not there yet. But um, the, the transition was gradual to starting to choose different friends to hang out with and different things to do on the weekends. And the Lord was slowly, slowly becoming the center of my life. So that's when I, when I started to actually consider what is it that you want for me? You know, I had all these ideas of what I want for myself and um, what do you want? And my, the next year, my junior year of high school was the first time I, I met sisters. So this hmm. was like my first exposure to religious life. And uh, my dad had found a retreat at our mother house here in Nashville. Uh, he was doing research online, you know, looking for retreats. And he told me about this retreat at the mother house. And I had never even heard of a convent, you know, like <laughs> no context for this. So I, I must say I wasn't 
too thrilled about the idea of, of spending a weekend with nuns. Um, <laughs> but I, for some reason, I, I called the mother house. I talked to the vocation director and I said, well, I don't, I don't think she's going to kill me. You know, I think it it's at least be an interesting weekend. So I signed up to go and I, and I came down to Nashville. The first thing I saw when I came to the, the convent grounds, I, we went through the, the um, front gate and there was this field full of habited sisters, all in tennis shoes playing soccer. And I thought, <laughs> this is gonna be a different retreat than I expected. So um, that was kind of my first exposure of religious life. And at the time, I wasn't really thinking this is for me. I mean, I loved it. I did have this like, okay, if I were a sister, this would be my religious name. You know, I was kind of planning those things. What was the name? Oh, okay, I had three options. <laughs> um, one was Sister Rosemary. Uh, one was Sister Anne Marie and one was Sister Mary Juliana. And come to find that all three were taken, so I couldn't have had those anyway. <laughs> but um, those were the three I had chosen that weekend. Do yeah. you guys recycle names like when a sister die, you use that name again? You could, yeah. Okay. Yep, just not while we're living. That would be really confusing. In Marie one, in Marie two. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yeah, we can recycle. So yeah, after that retreat, though, I definitely was changed by the thought of, hmm, could this be for me? So it sounds like your your, your dad. You're saying kind of had the idea of it. What, what was your family thinking of this idea of a vocation, especially? Yeah, my, my I was really blessed. My older brother actually entered seminary when I was uh, 13 years old, and wow. so. I was really embarrassed because I thought, shoot, my brother can't get a girlfriend. This is, I'm a like loser forever, you know? That was my thought about seminary. But what through the years watching him become just more and more happy and like the joy he had, I realized there's something more to this than just I can't find a girlfriend, you know? That, that's not actually not the reason you would enter seminary. And it opened me to, to seek what might the Lord have for me. And I think it also opened my parents to seek for us the Lord's will. Because they, they, I think they were, we were all hesitant to have him leave the house and, and, and spend his life that way. But after we saw that actually this is a really beautiful life, um, I think all of us were more open to the idea of the Lord has a call for us. So my parents were very supportive of me. Um, thank you, Jesus, for that gift. And, and really paved a way to let me be open to the Lord's will. Um, so my parents, I remember them bringing me down to Nashville on several different occasions, you know, whenever I'd ask, like, I want to visit again, you know, they'd, they'd drive down three hours. And I think their support really helped me to be free to, to say yes to whatever God was asking. And it must be nice to have, you said you had two brothers, correct? Or it must be nice yeah. to have them as role models discerning that religious life as well. That's right. And to want to walk before you in a way. Yeah. And I can remember so clearly my brother's profession of vows. So he was in a religious community and the, the ceremony was in Germany and I don't know any German <laughs> except for like nine. Um, but we were there and I, I couldn't understand any of the words at the mass, but I understood the gesture when my brother laid down before the altar. And I saw in that gesture, this radical laying down of his life for Christ. And it was such an example to me. And I thought, I remember going back to the hotel and writing my journal, I want to do something radical for Christ, you know? And I think that planted a desire in my heart to seek, how are you calling me to lay down my life for you? Um, that was even before I met the sisters. So, you know, when I met the sisters and saw the, the sacrifice of laying down your life, the Holocaust, it's called the giving all for Christ. Uh, it was very attractive to me, even though I was really still attached to the idea of marriage. Um, but there was something in it that I, I could see the beauty of the religious life. So what did you take from there after all those visits to the mother house? What was your next step after being so attracted to that? 
Yeah, so I think of it as like a tug of war. So I, I would like go to visit and like, oh, I really love the religious life. And then I'd be back home. I really got, I really like boys. And I want to get married, you know? And so, so you, you kind of discerned both in your, in your mind? A little bit yeah, definitely. I think I went back and forth for a long time. And um, I remember even a Valentine's Day when I was in, I, I think I was, a, yeah, I was a senior in high school and my boyfriend wrote something like, Jesus is so lucky to have you as his future wife. And I, I remember reading that and thinking, <laughs> thank you, sir. God. Appreciate that. That's not what I'm expecting for you. Okay. Thank yeah, you, Jesus. I thought, okay, I, I probably need to discern one at a time, you know, <laughs> this is kind of weird. But because of that, I decided after my senior year, I was in that, you know, everybody's asking you, what are you going to do next year? And I really didn't have a lot of clarity. So I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to stop thinking about this vocation thing, you know, and I'm just going to go off to college. And at the end of college, that's when I'll start thinking about it. You know, so I kind of made that deal for the Lord. Like, I'm just going to be with you and not think about that I'm question. I'm going to do it my own way. I love you, yeah. Jesus, but wait for me. <laughs> I'm going to do some college. We're back, maybe, exactly. if I don't find a boyfriend there. Exactly, that was it. Um, so I told him, if I'm not seriously dating somebody or engaged at the end of college, then I'll know I'm supposed to be a sister. You know, that was my sign <laughs> to the Lord. have no idea. <laughs> wait. Exactly. Hold my wine. I'll be right there. Uh, I bet a lot of young women think that way, though. Oh, for man. sure. Yeah, yeah it's pretty common. You know, like because we like these concrete signs, you know, like. The, the bird in the windowsill or something. Yes, saying yes or the it. pink flower from Therese or, you know. <laughs> these concrete but the most concrete signs the Lord gives us is am I happy in this life you know when you visit the religious life or the seminary is this does this make me happy like those are even more well see so seminary signs. cannot make you happy okay for it's, religious it's life. just a purgatory <laughs> on your way to heaven so don't worry you okay know, so guys you can ignore if you girls. are seminary and you listen to this it's okay guys it's gonna be okay there's light at the end of the tunnel it's not if you like seminary you have a problem seminary is not a vocation is a rite of passage for your vocation. <laughs> oh yeah. So we, we then when I went off to college, I um, that was my plan, just to like stop thinking about it. And so I started going to daily mass, and I started having you know daily prayer time, thirty minutes, and I, and I still had friends. You know, like I wasn't this loser in the shop all day. But I um, really was intentional about getting to know the Lord. You know, and getting to know him and not worry so much about me, you know, I think that was one of the best decisions I made actually, because what started happening was I started to lose all this anxiety over the future. And I started to just enjoy my relationship with the Lord. So I knew something was up when after my sophomore year of college, I started to get really restless. And I, you know, I had a relationship in college that was a beautiful relationship with this guy. And it was like my first good Catholic boyfriend, you know, like this could be it, you know, getting excited about the prospect of marriage. And, and I had great friends. I loved my classes. Everything seemed right. But what were you studying? I was studying liberal arts, actually. It was a small great books program at, at a, a small Catholic school. And I went there on purpose, actually, because I wanted, I went to public school my whole life. So I wanted to just be immersed in the Catholic life, you know, mm -hmm. and um, the whole school body would go to mass every day and we'd have theology class every year. And yeah, it was just, you were living in these good, pure, chaste Catholic environment, but I still was not, there was something off, you know? And so I thought I, I ended up breaking up with that, breaking off that relationship. And 
I still was restless after that. I was like, okay, so did that's he, not did it. Did he send you a Valentine's card <laughs> with C-shirt? Jesus is going to be happy to have you as a wife, no, too. Actually, what's really funny is I did a Novena de St. Therese, you know, which uh-huh. yeah. it's like the sure sign, you'll get, yeah. get a rose. So I, my mom calls Therese her BFF. She's like, do a Novena to, B- to Therese. Because I, tra- I was considering, should I transfer schools? You know, this, this school was great, but I wanted to be a teacher. And this was a liberal arts degree, so I thought, I'd have to go to more schooling afterwards. So maybe I'll transfer where I can actually get a teaching degree and then start teaching right after college. So I was discerning this and my mom said, do a novena. So I asked St. Therese, I said, if you give if you give me a white flower, if I'm supposed to stay here and a red flower, if I'm supposed <laughs> to leave and go to this other school. Okay. Well, at that ninth day, this guy who I had dated put in I, I didn't know who put it there, but I found out later. I walked into the main building and where our mailboxes is, and there was this overwhelming fragrance of roses. And I was like, okay, I smell it. Where is it, St. Therese? You know? And I go to my mailbox, and there is a rose he had put. Guess what color? White. Pink. Oh, oh my gosh. No, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, Therese, I was very specific, you know? <laughs> so I had to make my own decision. I decided to transfer schools. And I came home that summer, and... This restless was still, you know, pretty prevalent. And at the same time, the religious life kept coming up. And I didn't know where this was coming from. I wasn't thinking about it. But in within the span of one week, three different people asked me, are you thinking about being a sister? And I'm like, leave me alone about the sister. <laughs> you know, like, that's for after college. Teresa, we need some flowers again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this time we'll do purple. And <laughs> so I, but I, at this point, you know, I had gotten to know the Lord in a, in a deeper way. And I told him, I said, Lord, is this from you? Are you bringing this up? Like, is this something I need to look into? And, uh, it was pretty persistent. And so I called Nashville and the sisters there in Nashville and said, can I come visit? You know, they're like, sure. So I came the next, the next week I went down to Nashville. And when I was there at the mother house, I, I knew this is what he's calling me to. And right now, you know, this doesn't make sense to the world. Like I should finish my degree and can save the sister's money or, you know, all these other reasons I could give why it wasn't good, a, a good idea. But I just knew it's kind of the same experience with, that I had with the Eucharist at my conversion. Like I knew beyond doubt that this is what he was asking. And so I told the Lord, okay, Lord, if this is really you, then I'm going to go forward and I'm going to trust that you're going to shut the doors if this is not what you want but I'm going to take this leap of faith. And so I asked about entering and started the application process. And I realized only looking back, that's why I got a pink flower. It wasn't either of those things. Like the Lord desired, he, he wanted me to show I'm listening, but my will is something different than your two limited options. And so instead of like closing the doors, the Lord flung them open that summer. I mean, I, I visited in June and entrances in August. So I finished the application in July and I had just a couple weeks and everything fell into place, you know, and I, that helped me see this is from the Lord. Like it was, there was so much peace, even though doubts would come, you know, it was like, oh, I've never visited another convent. Maybe I should go somewhere else just to make sure, you know, and tried that. Didn't you know what? No other people were, no other convents were um, allowing guests to come at that time. So I just knew like he's, he's paving the way and so that was that, and then I entered that August. How long ago was that? Um, that was 15 years ago. Well, so you had I no doubt. I was like so five you, years you, old. Just a great sense of peace, it sounds like, though, really, huh? Just Definitely. Not, not too much of one, second guessing, really. And yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's not that we don't have doubts. And a lot of people feel like, oh, I, 
it's okay. You just have to have, you know, tell Jesus that you have doubts. Tell yes. Jesus that you're afraid. Tell Jesus, and then he will work this out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd say up to that point, like, you know, between when I was 16 and met the sisters up to 20, I had plenty of doubts. You know, like I, even when I had made the decision to start the application, doubts would come like, oh, how about maybe, this? How yeah, about that? maybe this isn't the right time. Maybe I'm making this up. But under it all was this peace and this this greater certainty that even these doubts couldn't couldn't take that away. And so there there's a certain amount of like setting our will towards something. You know, when we're when we're making a decision um, and not just relying on our emotions because you know if we do that we we never do anything. You know, if we're just oh I don't feel like it today. And so when I when I received that call from the Lord. I set my will on it. I said, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, and looking back, I wouldn't have my life any other way, you know, and I think sometimes we don't even, we can't know the Lord's full will until we move towards it, you know, and, and look back and see, oh yeah, this was your will. So I think for me, there there were glimmers, but, and, and doubts came in, but certainly under it all was, was a great peace. Wow. And so how did the opportunity come up for you to become the vocation director there at the mother house? Was that over a period of the time? The latter from the mother. That's really? right. That's how you're going to do it? <laughs> really? That's just obedience, huh? Yes, that's right. Exactly. You, you were the assistant vocation director, right? That's right. I assisted Sister Peter Marie for a couple of years. So we would we would um, travel around and, and do vocation work together. Yeah, it's mother decides our assignments and then... We say yes. So, what did you do to mother so she can send you to the vocations office? I don't know. No. I'm going to no, ask her next time. I say, mother, I got a question for you. What trouble did she get in? So, do you see yourself and the young woman that you work with as a college student and or whatever stage of life they're in? But do you see yourself in their shoes, like trusting them that it's going to be okay, whatever they choose? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I and I think for many women, hearing the stories of of those who have answered the call is so extremely helpful because the Lord works individually with each of us. He loves us so individually, but he also, there's also patterns, you know, and the way he works. And so I think for young women, when they ask, how did you know? I think it really gives them a lot of assurance to hear my story because they can see trends. That's what they all want to know is how did you know? Because I need to have the same sign like yes. ASAP or something. <laughs> That's like the million dollar question. How do you know? I know. I think that when you go to mass every day, when you start to pray every day, I think the Lord will speak to you. Yes, for sure. I think a lot of times we look for, we want somebody to tell us what to do or yeah. we look for these external, but a vocation is discovered in relationship. You know, I, I learn who I am in relationship to the Lord and I learned how he's created me to love in that relationship. And so you can never go wrong by spending time with him, you know, and I think it's important to spend in a quote, quote, waste time with him, like yeah. not to go to prayer with, I'm going to do this, this, and this today, but just, this is my list for today. Lord. Yes, Work I think on this. exactly. And he's like, well, I don't want to do that today, you know? So I think just having some time just as silence with him is so important in any stage of life, but especially in discernment and not just focusing only on my vocation, um, but focusing on the Lord. Well, it's amazing how important the sacraments are as we always talk about it, just daily mass and then bringing it to prayer as well. And now that yeah, the vocation director, what does, what does your role entail? Are you, are you doing a lot of traveling? It was a lot of different young women, not only in Tennessee, but just across the country or are you mostly focused here? Yeah, it's usually so, we're traveling about 
half the time on the road, half the time at the mother house. Mm-hmm. Um, this year has been a little different, but certainly we want to make the religious life accessible, mm-hmm. you know, and, and give young women an opportunity to consider what the Lord might be calling. So she, now she's the main kidnapper. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No. Wow. But yeah, I think uh, we've, we spend a lot of time going to college campuses because mm-hmm. I think there it's a privileged place to, to consider what, what am I doing with my life? And so yeah. do a lot of college visits. We, and then we offer retreats at our mother house. And I think that's really important too, to give women a time to come away and just be with the Lord and, and get a little glimpse into religious life. So a lot of my time is spent traveling, but also a lot of conversations. So a lot of phone calls and um, just bringing, providing counsel for women. And I think it's the one-on-one part, right? Is in mm-hmm. a, you know, when we do Melchizedek, you know, Melchizedek projects, like, yeah, the meanings are good, but it's on the one-on-one that you're going to, okay, how is this working in your life? Because you have, you know, 5, 10, 15 guys talking about this, like, yeah, and you're going to talk about it, and you're going to be like, okay, but then it's like, how is God working in your life? Yes, and that's, that's the important thing to reflect on. You know, you can hear all these talks you want or watch all the YouTube videos you want on vocation, but in really applying it to your own life, that's when clarity comes, you know? And so I think that's the most important part of my role is working one-on-one with, with women that come to us. Wow, you must have just made a difference just in, in hundreds and thousands of, of young women looking for an answer, looking for peace, like you said, in that one-on-one conversation and just in providing that the hope of a vocation and, and for telling your story as well, your testimony. Thank you, sister, for being here. Once again, on the show. Sister, if yeah. anybody wants to know more about the Dominican sisters, where do they go? What is the website? What is your email? How does it work? Yeah, our, our website is NashvilleDominican.org. And we just produced a new video that's the, up there on the website. It's Undivided Heart. So uh, it's a 12-minute video that gives a little more insight into our to our life and a good little first step before, you know, if you're kind of scared to talk to somebody, maybe you start with that video. Um, <laughs> we also have a YouTube channel, so you can search for Nashville Dominicans on YouTube, our Facebook page, Dominican uh, Facebook slash Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. Yeah, and then my, my feel free to email me if I can be of assistance to you if you're thinking about it. My email is there on the website, but it's vocation at op-tn.org. So um, feel free to reach out in any way. Well, that's Sister Mara Grace, the vocation director at St. Cecilia uh, Mother House here in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you, Sister, once again for sharing your vocation, your story Thank you. with us. And thank you to everyone in our listening audience uh, to having a lot of great insight on the topic of vocation. Thank you to Father Javon as well uh, for all of his guidance and support and laughter. And just for, we know that we're praying for everyone uh, in those shoes of whatever stage of life you, you may be in as a young adult, discerning that next step, that topic of, of vocation. Thank you to Jim Chandler as well with the taping of our show. We're, we're here in the Oscar Romero studio here at the Catholic Pastoral Center in Music City. Uh, my name is Zach Jansen. Remember, you can find our show wherever you get your podcast by searching Belonging for Young Catholic Adults. Thank you for listening to Belonging on WBOU, Nashville Catholic Radio.